0: Hello and welcome to the 107th FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday the 5th of October. I'm Mopani, you can call me Mo. And I'm Chris Hudson. And welcome to what is Chris's second last episode uh, before he moves on to greater things. Man overboard. Uh, As you know, (laughs) FIS are known to be pioneers and innovators in the freight and commodity market. It's fair to say Chris was a pioneer and innovator when it comes to our podcasts. So do stay tuned for our special episode in two
1: weeks to bid him farewell. On this week's podcast, it is a freight fest with a sprinkling of oil as well, as we shine a light on the geopolitical events that could shape markets going into 2023 and look at market movements on our major freight and commodities. We get an eastern and western perspective on the dry freight market, as well as a look into the oil markets with the OPEC Plus meeting in Austria today. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. First, let's take a look at the indexes. What movements have we seen in the past two weeks since the last podcast? That being Tuesday, the 20th of September versus yesterday, Tuesday, the 4th of October. Well, in terms of the freight markets, the Cape 5TC, the Panamax 4TC and the Supermax 10TC up across the board. This is a two weeks movement where we were at 16,540. Two weeks ago on the Cape 5TC, that's moved to 18,611, up 12.5%. On the Panaxes, there's uh, less of a move up, but up 4.6%, now closing $17,651 a day. And on the Supras, 18351 up $969, or 5.6%. So some nice movements up there, having hit some drops dropped down to those low levels at the start of September of last month. On the iron ore, we've seen a slight movement down a dollar 15 or 1.2%. It was 9665 on Tuesday the 20th, now 9550 yesterday's close. Uh, no surprise there as things coming to the Chinese holiday, the Golden Week with people taking a little bit of a breather as we came into that week-long holiday. On the oil, well, 90.25, it was, closing 20th of September, closing at the time of the uh, FIS oil report. Uh, that was yesterday, 91.98. And again, if you look this morning, people really reacting to the OPEC plus news uh, of a potential cut of a million barrels. So that's up higher than uh, the index, obviously, yesterday. But you can see that up 173, 1.9%. Uh, 1. And it's no surprise that the 0.5%, uh, on the fuel oil has followed that movement, although to a lesser extent, only up 0.1%, 85 cent. Closing yesterday's uh, their front month future on the FOS report, $642.80. On the tankers, after those amazing moves up over the last few weeks, it seems that we have taken a check, rain check on things. Uh, if you're looking at T3C, that's closing yesterday. World scale at 77.41, down 22.5%, had been 99.91 on the 20th. TC2, TC5, both off as well, but... Uh, We've seen uh, down to 250 world-scale closing yesterday on the TC2. That's down 50 points, or 16.9%. And TC5, that is down 146.43, or down 45.9%. So big movements, big swings there on the Arab Gulf to Japan route on the products. On the steel, that's continuing to... uh, we had seen those movements off after those rates where we saw highs of 1200 bucks 1300 a tonne. Uh, and now at $945.75, closing yesterday for the Northwest European steel market. That is up $3.75 on two weeks ago. 0.5% had been $742. And finally, on the emissions markets, this is the compulsory European, the EUAs. It had been €71.14, uh, but closed yesterday at €66.92, down 4 Euros, 22 cents or
0: 5.9%. Next, a look at major events around the world that may affect your markets. Uh, starting off with OPEC plus oil production cuts. Uh, of course, despite the devastation caused by Hurricane Ian, the markets have not been impacted as much as we expected this year. However, the markets do expect to be impacted after the meeting uh, today in Vienna because uh, this could we could potentially see an increase in prices so OPEC plus are considering cutting oil we were thinking it was around 1 million barrels per day but today sources are reporting up to 2 million barrels per day the most significant cut since the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic we also know fuel oil tends to follow crude oil prices um, what I found interesting was over the last six months, uh, Singapore's uh, 0.5 had increased its premium over Rotterdam and Houston by almost $200 per metric ton at specific time interviews, uh, We saw large premiums ranging from mid-May to the end of July. Uh, you might say this was most likely due to changes in China. We also know that Sing 0.5 is generally more expensive than its counterparts. Uh, But since August, the premium changed to a discount to Houston's 0.5, and all three regions have been competitive until September. Now, I would say China's situation is worth keeping an eye on, as in the last week we've seen seen 0.5 increase to a premium again at a faster rate than the other uh, fuel oil prices are climbing. Uh, So question to you, uh, Chris... What do you think could be affecting this difference right now? Because Sing 0.5 is climbing uh, faster than its counterparts. Any thoughts?
1: I think it's not a surprise, I don't think, in terms of there seems to be that optimism now that China has seen the worst of the COVID pandemic and that it can return to some sort of normality. We we obviously have a quiet week this week because of the holiday, but people looking forward going, actually this is gonna be a potential stage now where they really start to ramp up production, restart to really start to try and get those GDP figures back up to those uh, incredible 6% even higher, which we've seen in the last couple of decades uh, from there. So uh, I think people are just starting to hedge themselves and go, actually, this could be a return to a bit more of normal world economic movements and placings than than we've seen in the last year.
0: I see. You've also answered my second question. So I'll move on to my third question. Uh, So what would you say your take on this with freight and other commodities after seeing the index prices and data?
1: But I imagine that you'll see, a, again, keep an eye on that iron or 62%. If you're going to see a If people genuinely think that this is going to be something which will have a great positive economic impact for China, you'll see that reflected in the iron ore index. So that will start to move towards that $100 level again and then move higher. People use the iron ore market as a proxy trade for the Chinese economy. So higher price, they have more confidence that it's going to be growing significantly. Moving lower, obviously, the converse. So the iron ore 60% is a very good indicator there of whether people's views of what's happening the stimulus package that you've seen in China uh, them trying to get out of the pandemic and any other problems that might cause them not to be able to do the things that they want to do you've got peak construction season Uh, you're just about to start that now you've got all the problems with the housing market which just seems some, some sort of impending US housing market 2008 but slow burn kind of version of so there's lots of question marks and concern about that as well Uh, as is around the world with interest rates hikes and the the kind of change of policy having had such low interest rates for such a long time. So, yeah, look at those 62%. Look at oil. They're going to be very sensitive about what's happening as China's the largest consumer of both iron ore and oil.
0: And, um, I mean, one thing to mention on the other side, the West. Uh, Midterm elections are coming in the U.S. Um, The White House won't be happy with OPEC Plus's decision today.
1: Do you think they'll react what can they do <laughs> i mean mr biden can obviously uh put forward a statement of his disappointment that they're they're cutting at a time where prices are high and you know you get a, a, the classic american political view that people pay uh people will voting on how much they're paying at the pump too high we're not voting for the incumbent so the democrats can have a bad bad evening too low, you know, much lower. Things are cheap. It's nice and good. Well, yeah, the the government's done well, even though it might be something completely beyond their control, which is exactly the situation here. Mm. What what yeah, what influence does America necessarily have over Pick Plus' is ability to produce oil and what it chooses to do? Some because of its ties with a lot of the members, but ultimately it's no Pick Plus decision, mm-hmm. and it's in their interest to have high prices so it's no surprise that they're trying to push up things but all these news of being two million rather than one million um but they've not been producing their quotas for a long time now so mm-hmm. it, it's no surprise they're doing that so actually what they're producing saying they're producing compared to what they're physically producing might actually be correct for once rather than these others so a lot of these other questions and of course you have the ongoing situation with russian supply and everything else but it looks like it's going to culminate in a pretty difficult situation for the for the Democrats coming into the to that midterm election like any incumbent government for the midterms they always lose seats but can they hold on to the house they're going to lose the Senate most probably because it's already a 50 50 split the likelihood that they lose a seat is high um, with the house they can still potentially hold on to that but it's not looking good especially if oil prices start rising significantly again and uh, the pump goes up on polling day <laughs> thank you for
0: sharing uh, moving over to Russian supplies you mentioned. Uh, we know winter is approaching, and things are heating up in Russian and European relationships. And things to note, uh, we know Europe is investigating major leaks that happen in the Nord Stream gas, line, uh, gas pipelines. Uh, sorry, um, We also know EU ambassadors are supposedly nearing a final deal to cap the price of Russian crude oil and products. Uh, of course, this is on top of the EU ban taking effect on December the 5th. And the purpose of the price cap is to keep oil flowing, but at a reduced price. Hashtag the irony. Uh, So we know Europe is looking elsewhere for oil supply, and we know Russia is looking elsewhere for uh, consumers, uh, but it may have shipping constraints. Uh, The rerouting of trading regions could put a strain on the shipping sector. Uh, The voyage of Russian oil exports to Asia would be longer, increasing shipping activity and fuel costs for shipping companies. Uh, My thoughts, this may also mean uh, thinking, what are the required vessels? Are they enough? Uh, Do they have the right infrastructure? Uh, Are there enough shipping companies, insurers and financial service providers uh, that would be affected by these sanctions or not affected? Uh, So these constraints could essentially limit how much oil is supplied to the global market and maybe push prices back up. But I do feel that if if Russia do overcome these constraints, um, India and China will continue to be the leading destinations of Russian oil. Uh, They now account of over half of Russia's seaborne oil exports. Uh, But what was interesting, of course, our Western nations were criticizing both countries um, in his foreign business to say that they had little choice when the price of oil is breaking their back. Uh, it's funny, we retail consumers probably feel the same, you know. Uh, I'm sure we can all emphasize with this because uh, a lot of us would jump at the opportunity to get cheaper gas and electric suppliers. So I guess my question to you, again, into your uh, depth of knowledge,
1: Chris, how has
0: this activity shown a difference in any
1: shipping routes that we cover? Uh- I think it's very, very difficult to say with this kind of stuff because many of the people who will be necessarily taking Russian oil, you, it, you can't track it. Mm-hmm. And a lot, you've seen news stories. You Actually, Russia's taking a larger portion of the routes and the, the backdoor entries which Iran was previously using to get rid of its oil, even though there's a large number of sanctions on that. So it's an impossible question to answer, uh, unfortunately, but um, they'll be doing it. And I think that some of the constraints with the prices going up, I think that it's a it's a gross point, the fact that they've, they've done what they've done and are now profiteering from it.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you for being honest. Um, uh, just one more thing from the geopolitical side. Uh, of course, we always think about the demand outlook for China as it experiences slow economic growth. I know you mentioned a bit on that. Uh, we have a golden week uh, this week. Bloomberg reported China's most significant fuel export quarter this year. Uh, the is widely expected by the market for the last two weeks include uh, 13.25 million tons of refined products, normally gasoline, diesel and aviation fuel, and 1.75 million tons of low sulfur marine fuel, as the sources said. Uh, I guess this attempts to revive the economy after being hit by lockdown. But as mentioned before, uh, this may be a concern for an already tight market, but we also expect a flood of fuel in Asia because of Russia.
1: Next we go to Kerry Deal. After returning from Barcelona from the Fast Markets Battery Metal Conference and a quick trip to the United States of America, he is Back. So Kerry, we've seen a revival in freight index numbers after the lows at the start of September, but what's behind
2: the numbers? What are we seeing? Well, indeed, the Cape market's been a bit of a roller coaster as of late, at least in percentage terms. Last week, we saw a pretty consistent drop in rates. Uh, af- negative sentiment took over a weak Pacific market caused by slowing restocking activities ahead of the week-long Chinese holiday, uh, with only one major in the market seeking vessels for C5. This allowed the index to fall, and on paper, we saw a rather steep drop with the front month contract shedding around 25% of its value, dropping from 20,675 down to a low of 15,375. From late last week, however, we saw some green shoots of hope once again in the Atlantic, and especially South and West Africa, with their weekly shipments reaching two month highs at 1.5 million tons. That's up 19% week-on-week, week, and 685,000 tons, up 57% week-on-week, week, respectively. Uh, that's data from IHS Market Commodities at Sea Service, by the way. With some of the Brazilian miners returning to the market for cargo, the C3 jumped up earlier this week, and we've seen the paper respond accordingly. With that front-month Cape 5TC contract trading at 18250 this morning, according to FIS Live. Perhaps the bigger story, though, was the Q4, which made an even slightly larger jump to trade up to 19000 this morning before a few offers came in. The general revival, Chris, has been caused overall by increasing volumes out of both Australia and Brazil on the Capes. And I think a feeling that, uh, you know, that the market had been a little bit oversold, perhaps. Uh, We're also seeing, by the way, some weather-related delays in the Pacific. That's tying up some tonnage. That's going to help the market, too. On the Panamaxes, on the physical market, we saw some improvement late last week in the Atlantic. Thanks to the arrival of the U.S. grain season, we saw shipments ex U.S. Gulf sharply increase, along with business in the South remaining quite firm. That resulted in weekly Panamax volumes surging up 103% to 1 million tons from a previous 507,000 kT, uh, 507 kT rather. For minerals, total shipments by Panamaxes also saw a decent increase of over 20% to nearly 5.1 million tons. However, coal demand has been almost flat week on week due to the major Chinese holiday that started this week. And sentimentally, the Panamax paper got dragged down by the negativity on the big ships. We saw that the October Panamax 4TC dropped from 18500 to 16500 before making a recovery this week as people became more optimistic on grain exports. Q4 also jumped sharply this week, I should add, and is currently trading 18500 on FIS Live. One thing I want to note from the paper perspective is that the curve has changed shape rather dramatically over the last month, um, going from a fairly steep contango, especially on the capes as they were falling and falling over the past couple of months, into a situation of backwardation. And I think we should watch that carefully. So on the one hand, you could say, okay, that's a negative. It means that sentiment for next year has fallen finally, and people do not have high hopes for a massive recovery. On the other hand, if there are buying opportunities here, if there are opportunities for anyone who has a bull market view, that now offers them finally the chance to, uh, to uh, perhaps execute those, to buy into those. So it's worth watching that um, you know whether that backwardation lasts, and I think it's worth taking note of that.
1: FIS may be well known for being a leading derivatives broker, but we also have a small team of top-notch shipbrokers in Singapore who are working hard to cause a headache for our big competitors. We talked to Kim Klarman, head of our shipbroking team and director of our Singapore office, about his thoughts on the physical freight market. So Kim, in terms of the shipping perspective from Singapore, you're obviously involved in the physical shipbroking and talked to a lot of the guys in the physical industry. What kind of points have you been seeing of late? You've seen China come out of its uh, lockdown. We've seen a lot of the other the rest of the world come out of its lockdown. We've seen weird trading patterns through all of those problematic pandemic years. What is the word on the street of Singapore at the moment in terms of physical ships? Um,
3: I think it's it's basically similar uh, what, what everyone in Europe is talking about. I mean, uh, one of the biggest drivers uh, in shipping uh, is and has always been China. Um, a lot of people out here are waiting for the uh, historic meeting on the 16th of October, where the Communist Party will get together and all the top leaders. Um, people are expecting maybe some lightning on the zero COVID policy, which obviously uh, would affect some to some extent the uh, the, sh- the shipping industry. You know the congestions in harbors, the 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 ART testing. For personnel uh, in, in the different uh, harbours in China is obviously taking taking time, and then um, eventually as well, uh, what's going on on uh, on the property market in China? Will will it uh, will it recover? Will uh, will there be some uh, support from the Chinese government um, right now? Actually, we see import rates of iron ore are not heavy, uh, we're waiting. I mean, if China goes all in again and goes growth, uh, things go fast and uh, the, the shipping market will follow. Um, so that is one of the big the big things, actually, we are uh, eyeing and waiting for. Um, another thing, as you mentioned, Covid uh, has not stopped, but obviously has eased, uh, especially here in, in Asia, took a little longer time than in Europe. Uh, for governments. um, uh, Now, i say Asia, China obviously still has the zero COVID policy. Um, Singapore has had the big F1 event uh, this weekend, which was a major success uh, as far as I understand. Um, A lot of shipping companies and brokers had events around town. Um, We had, I think, 300,000 people uh, attended. Uh, I think that's around the official numbers and in general um, the the mood uh, has changed significantly uh, this year compared to last year um, where travel was still restricted and you know the mask mandate was still full-on we still have it though uh, on public transport but that's basically it so it's all all back to normal kind of.
1: And one of the big success stories in terms of that has really driven rates up and at least in some of the the vessel sizes kept it uh, from falling has been coal exports Indian coal, um, Indonesian coal exports have really helped lift rates and now we 're seeing that come into Europe to deal with the the energy crisis here as Russian supplies of gas are cut off to the continent and Do you get a sense of whether that 's uh, something that's going to be here for the rest of the year, something that's going to move into next year, or was or this just a kind of flash in the pan moment, which has come at a convenient time?
3: Um, you know, I think if you look at the freight rates in general and at, at the indices, um, you, you you can see it's uh, it's coming at a convenient time. Obviously, we had a had a massive kind of sell off uh, on 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 the freight. Um, Basically, uh, sub- supply demand uh, evened out. Um, eventually, uh, demand was less than the supply, and uh, you saw the indices fall by, I think, most 50 percent um, through from handy to to capesize. Uh The coal exports. Uh, are quite interesting to see because now you, I mean, usually you have Indo coal going um, mainly uh, to China, you have uh, the same from India sourcing um, Australia as well, a little bit. But now seeing backhaul coal cargoes um, going back to the continent and the Baltic are, yeah, very unusual. Um, uh, and uh, I think it will help. However, it, it will maybe stabilize the freight rates, which we have seen right now. Um, it won't give the the push uh, which maybe the market needs um, to 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 find uh, find some new strengths.
1: And another factor which is going to affect at least EU-bound shipping next year is its introduction into the European ETS. Uh, that's the emissions trading scheme, and the impact that that has in terms of an extra cost in effect to a lot of people. Are you starting to see the industry take this a little bit more um, seriously? Are you seeing things which people are asking lots of questions, uh, a move to be able to deal with this? Because it does seem like this is something that they're going to have to do. And there's a lot of questions, a lot of education needs to happen before uh, something is actually done for the whole industry.
3: Yeah, you're right. I uh, I, I think um, there's a lot of education to be done. Um, the The big players uh, are the front runners um, in every industry, not only the shipping industry, uh, also in in, in the the oil industry and in the transport transport industry in general. Um, What we hear out here speaking to uh, owners and operators is still uh, a waiting position. Obviously, everyone is aware uh, that the the ETS will go into force uh, in Europe, however, in Asia, uh, nothing like that will happen uh, in the next uh, couple of years. Eventually, it depends, obviously, on the legislation. Um, but uh, if if nothing is enforced or uh, made mandatory, um, I think people will wait. Uh, we obviously had discussions about carbon credits, which FIS and uh, our, my colleague Theo out here um is working on and uh, we're promoting it uh, to the shipping industry however uh the, the traction um has not yet been uh where we where we want it and um we have seen some couple of first movers uh we did some uh, education um some introduction to the, the products itself uh for some shipping uh, companies uh, here in singapore um but uh we're still waiting for the first trade
0: all right and uh... Now, uh, just from me, uh, Kim, I know that's a bit forward and yeah. future thinking. Now, back to the current market, a lot of talk about mm. the recession. If it helped, what, what do you think or is it generally expected to happen during or after a recession when it comes to f- uh, freight rates and shipping?
3: Um, it, 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 it really, really depends on the um, on on the consumers, right? So usually in a recession, you expect that uh, con- consumers will uh, consume less; uh, they will save more money, um, which should affect uh, sh- should affect the freight rates in terms of uh, goods transported around the globe. Um, ho- however, we also had a or still have a pandemic on mowing uh, around the world, which uh, uh, still has a backlog. Um, so. It's probably not really anything you can find in the history books um, in, in terms of typical recessions, because this what we're experiencing is a um, a pandemic, a global pandemic, and then after after that we we are running into a global energy crisis, and now uh, eventually, um, I mean, if, if you look at the macro uh, numbers, uh, we are uh, in fact in a recession and. Um, how that will affect the, the shipping markets um, is, is fairly fairly hard to say. Uh, in terms of dry bulk, I, I personally think that um, we will still be uh, okay. There won't be um, this massive crash. I mean, arguably we had a crash from uh, 40,000 in average on, uh, on, on the TC rates to f- uh, 20,000 now or 18,000, but um, we're still way above what we had for the past 10 years prior to this uh, uprun um and if you look at the uh, the new building numbers uh, in the yards uh, all the slots basically for the next 2 3 years are filled up with container ships um so first i i believe that this this market will uh, most likely get hit harder uh, in one two years when the the first new buildings uh, come out and uh, the demand um has uh, has decreased um and on, on the dry side, personally, obviously, I don't have any uh, crystal crystal ball, but uh, I I hope that, that we will we will see a, a higher floor than we had seen uh, for the for the past ten years prior to to, to this run up.
0: Um, and uh, uh, just another random thought: Would you have any fear or take on what this would mean for fuel, oil, and uh? what that percentage to freight or in comparison to freight any view on that if there was a recession or the scenario you just spoke of
3: um, i mean fuel oil is always uh, a, a very important factor when it comes to freight um obviously um we we're getting more and more economical ships um the most modern ones and uh, then we have the whole uh, fleets of scrubbers, which is very different from, from the normal ones. We have new fuel types, um, but like an increase in fuel prices will, uh, definitely impact the freight rates, uh, because it's just going to be more expensive to, to ship, ship the goods, um, from A to B. Um, the fuel price in general, how will that be affected by a recession? Uh, I think there's a lot of factors uh, which uh, needs to be taken in consideration. A lot of it is uh, politically driven. Um, You have the OPEC. I mean, if the OPEC goes out and say like, oh, we cut by X million tons, um, obviously the price will will soar. Uh, It's it's hard to say, but yeah, in general, obviously, fuel price is super, super uh, important um, for freight rates.
1: And you were talking about the political factors there. Kim, and one thing, if you read the news, especially from the perspective of sitting in the uh, Pacific, is that um, there are a lot of political, geopolitical events which could spark, which would obviously cause problems for shipping, and then a lot of other factors beyond the normal economic question marks and problems that we're facing. And what, I know Singapore, as a as a country, is very conscious of being fairly close. To China, is there a sense at the moment of uh, a change? We've seen that obviously in Europe, with Finland and Sweden making decision to join NATO. Is there any sort of sense of change in the Singaporean mood of that things are also taking a turn there from the kind of, I guess, a uh, general status quo that we've seen for a couple of decades now?
3: Um, I, I think Singapore, uh, as you said, has always been close to China, but also has been. Um, trying to be uh close to the u.s as well and have uh, is very close to the u.s um they are uh trying to i think play 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 two hands at the same time um we have seen a lot of impact during COVID. what happened um was due to the very strict restrictions in singapore people left um then we are seeing singapore in terms of uh, the working permits, it's not easy to, to get uh, um, international um, professionals to Singapore. Um, however, I, I think Singapore has always been um, very strongly connected to China and still is, and I don't see that will, the, that will change. Um, they, they need to satisfy one side and the other, and uh, they're very good in, uh, in doing both.
1: And just before you go, we obviously have to put you on the spot completely and uh, say, what is your view going to be of next year? And obviously, what factors should people be really concentrating on, in your opinion, as we start to come to the end of 2022 and look towards a new year in 2023?
3: Yeah, I think one of the the big moving factors um, for the next, well, for the end of this year, beginning of next year, it's always hard to say, (laughs) Look, look like a couple of years from, but right now um most people expect the market to be flat ish um there's no big drivers we have the us grain season uh which kicks in or has kicked in however uh this will just be a big support for freight rates um i think and uh, stabilize it uh, we are still waiting for india uh on the iron ore which was a big driver uh, the exports um due to uh, the uh Uh, the implementation of heavy tax uh, export tax on those uh, it has been very little going out of India Um, if it has gone down um, already a little bit but uh, if if those things change um, the the market will get up some momentum again and um, it it might might get interesting however I don't see that uh, happening this year Um, eventually Q1 next year uh, could could be the time um, in general our feeling out here is uh, from industry professionals that there's not, not a big tide, uh, not, not a big appetite, uh, for, for period ships. Um, meaning, uh, if, if the operators and the charters out here, they, uh, they're just sitting, uh, on, on their hands, they are executing the book, um, whatever they have on the cargo side, on the tonnage side. Um, most people made some decent money, uh, like last year, uh, I think, uh, Everyone is uh, everyone is happy where they are right now. They don't know, don't want to risk uh, the book for for the end of the year. Um, what next year brings? Very good question. Uh, as I mentioned before, I think the big thing is that there's not a lot of new ships coming to the market. Um, that means uh, if we, however, see uh, uh, Russia and Ukraine the war ending somehow. Um, if we see China uh, going big again um, on uh, on growth, um, if this recession uh, somehow gets under control, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of things can happen. Too many too many moving bricks.
1: That's it for this week. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the freight and commodity space, then sign up to our app FIS Live or follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give any feedback or suggestions, email us at news at freightinvestor.com. Have a great end to your week and join us on the next podcast in a couple of weeks.